This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet, we will recap UFC Fight Night, Muniz vs. Allen, formerly known as UFC Fight Night, Krilla vs. Span. Hit you with our segments as any awesome in real-world call-outs, and last but not least, we will preview UFC 285, Jones vs. Gone. Here we go. Here we go, coming back off our first ever missed week, I believe, we were just saying. Yeah, I think it was. It's uh, pretty impressive, 139, 138 episodes, today's 139, so. We've had breaks, but we've never missed an actual uh, fight week, so crazy stuff going on, a lot going on. Um, I just want to say one thing, if Krylov's going to do something stupid, I'm glad he did it before I could bet on him or before, <laughs> in a way that he can't lose me money. So uh, as bad as this card ended up being, uh, we had a Brendan Allen main event. Um, we had uh, at least Krylov couldn't cost me money again. Yeah, that kind of leads us into my take here. Uh, Nikita Krylov, he always finds a way to blow it. And on, on Saturday, he didn't even get a chance to step into the octagon before blowing it by uh Apparently getting food poisoning, so... Is that what it was? It can't be food. That's what... That's what they said. That's the official official story is food oh, poisoning. It seems like we hear that. that like, who else? Cowboy Cerrone got food poisoning once? Yeah, I think so. It's just a bad weight cut, and then they eat something and can't keep it down, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but good point. I guess we were on the same page there. We, without even discussing it, like, normally I would have bet on him and he would have cost me money. At least now he's gotten even out ahead of that and we can't even can't even get the bets down anymore right i think i was gonna go with span just for for the hell of it on that one he's looked good recently and uh he has been on a run i just kept thinking like krylov could easily just piece up span over five rounds but he could easily just stay in the pocket too long and get fucking knocked out by span too so yeah and my thing was I, I was afraid i was go maybe going too hard on krylov because he, he did the dumbest thing ever by when I really went heavy on him because I thought he was going to destroy Paul Craig and he was destroying Paul Craig. <laughs> and then he dove into his triangle and maybe he's not as dumb as I think, but then sometimes he, he always finds like he, he always finds a way to do something dumb. So I'm just not going to touch him from now on, no matter how tempting it is. Yeah. It's I don't even much. think it was that tempting though, because I think he was a decent sized favorite. Wasn't he? He was a favorite. I don't know if it was huge though, but I, I think he was a favorite. All right. Well, either way I was all over. This card was all over the place. Um, they really tied us. They really tied our hands on making picks on this one, so um, I, I mean, it was tough. But anyways, I'll uh, jump into my take. It'll probably be a little bit of a segment of its own. So, um, yeah, so I guess it's not really a take, just uh, Jake Paul Circus may come, be coming to an end, or do you think it uh, restarts and uh, rebrands and starts over? I mean, he's got a few options, right? So he, route one, he goes like the Connor route needs the immediate rematch and i mean that if he goes that route that all hinges on he has to win he has to win or he's done i feel like if he can automatically do the auto rematch versus fury and beat him just move on it's all done (laughs) and then i think he keeps all the hype behind him first one was a fluke or something i don't know you could write that off you beat him the second time if he loses that second fight i think it's all over for him um another option i think is he goes back and doesn't take the Fury rematch right away, 
because maybe he thinks he's not ready for it. I mean, he looked kind of outclassed for the most part. Yeah, uh, Fury was better than him. Yeah, he wasn't. It's not like he, Fury was substantially better, but Fury was better and was probably would win the majority of the fights that, that he fought at this time, at least. Mm-hmm. So other option would be he goes and fights somebody like Nate Diaz, who he can wait bully and, and possibly pull out the dub, get the hype behind him again, and then, you know, maybe fight Fury down the line, maybe the next fight after that, but give him some more time just to uh, get some more hype back by beating an uh, undersized MMA fighter like he usually does. Not that I think he'd beat Nate Diaz, obviously. <laughs> I think Nate would smash him, but you get the point. Fight somebody that, that he can kind of bully on that's a little smaller than him or, um, you know, whatever, and, and get some steam going that way before he takes the the Fury rematch. But it all hinges. He's got to win his next fight, obviously. Yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah, I, maybe but, maybe there's new interest in him fighting an MMA guy or like a personality or like a celebrity because now people are like, oh, he's now we know he's beatable or now we know it's not rigged or whatever. Yeah, and I, I don't know much about this, but I heard KSI is like another big opponent that he, that could possibly he could fight. That's a YouTuber type guy. So yeah, who beat but, his brother? Yeah, exactly. So maybe he goes that route to get a bunch of hype going again, but. Uh, I think he has to win this next one. If he doesn't, it's all over. Um, I mean, who's tuning in if he if he loses again, right? So he needs to uh, definitely needs to buckle down, make the right decision. Because uh, I think probably going Fury rematch right away is his toughest challenge, and you know could lead to his you know demise the quickest. Do you think he has a finite number of uh uh events he can cash in on from this point forward like do you think like he's got maybe a, a couple youtuber fights maybe another mma fight and then maybe a real, one more real boxer and then like no matter what you do maybe it run it's run its course i'm assuming he doesn't beat uh fury yeah i mean even then i think it's run its course we've seen like i mean fury is not that great of a boxer to begin with right but no, he's just he looks better than, so much better yeah exactly so i mean i i think he does have a finite number of fights left because he's not going to make a run at being a real boxer. It's very obvious now. So he's just got like, you know, hope the Nate's a bit, Nate, he needs a big fight. He needs a big name in his next fight or the Fury fight. So what he's got Fury, KSI, Nate Diaz, and then like the ultimate, like one, if he could ever pull it off, would be Conor McGregor. Yeah. But like those, I mean, pretty much other than that, I don't think there's much out there for him. Maybe Jorge Masvidal, if he ever loses UFC type thing. I don't know. Probably not far off. Yeah. Jorge Masvidal might have what, a couple. Oh, well, he's probably got like a 10 fight. He's definitely got like six fights left on his UFC contract. Yeah. But Masvidal is obviously not the draw that everybody thinks he is. Yeah. Maybe for celebrity boxing, he would be though. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just kind of get the feeling that without the O on his record, it's probably now it's time to like tie up the loose ends and probably. Yeah, he's got a handful of fights tops left. How mad do you think Nate Diaz was when he lost? And why did Nick Diaz post a picture with Tommy Fury? When did they train together? I have no clue, but um, I mean, Nate probably pretty pissed, but it seemed like he automatically um, started calling out uh logan paul so kind of just uh switch gears they there. called out logan paul yeah they were talking shit on twitter or something do apparently. you think he knows the difference between the two of them uh, whoever's running his twitter does oh that's true <laughs> whichever army members on his twitter yeah why doesn't nick box logan and nate box jake we don't want to see nick get knocked out by one of the paul brothers do we i don't know you don't think logan paul's not good at boxing though 
Yeah. He's but, pretty terrible, actually. Like, if if, if Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz did what he did to Robbie Waller for uh, four minutes and 30 seconds to Logan Paul, he might be able to put him away. Yeah, if Nick Diaz came in in shape, I think he wins easy. But the problem is, like, yeah. does he come in in shape or does he come in off a, a bender in Vegas and, and look like shit? So. Oh, either way, a brother's, a brother's fight night would be pretty sick, but maybe we'll never see it. Maybe, maybe not. All right, then we can get back to uh, MMA here. We got we're gonna go through this recap pretty quick. Like I said, it was a fairly unimpressive card. A um, lot going on. Um, we were both really busy, but we at least watched the fight. So uh, Krylov versus Span canceled, making Andre Muniz versus Brendan Allen the main event. I was all over Muniz just because I don't think Brendan Allen's very good. I got proven wrong. Or did I get proven right? I was just right that Brendan Allen's not very good, but Muniz also isn't very good. Yeah, neither of them are very good. I told you. I warned you on this one, too. You um, did warn me. I mean, it might have been too late for your bets, but uh, basically just I, I after Andre Muniz's last fight, I think it was, before the Brendan Allen win, he had, what's his name's back? Almost, Uriah, Uriah, Uriah Hall. Hall. He had his back the entire fight, and like he had many attempts where he could have easily attempted a rear naked choke and probably finished the fight. But he would not, he never even thought about sinking in a rear naked choke. It was like, I'm either going to get an arm bar or I'm just going to sit on his back. If I can't do this little transition from into arm bar, I don't want to submit the guy. And anybody who's that, like, not just a specialist in jiu-jitsu, but in it has to be an arm bar, is never going to be a good UFC fighter. And Ronda Rousey? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, the male Ronda Rousey. Not to mention arm bars are a women's MMA thing, not a men's MMA thing. So uh, it's just a bad look for Muniz. I, I would never bet him. Yeah, he's canceled for me too. I just, man, I think it's just me digging down because, first of all, I've made a lot of money fading Brendan Allen. Like, I'm way up in my career. Um, Strickland fight. Chris Curtis fight. Uh, there, was, there was one other one in there somewhere. I don't know. He's been up and down in his career. I won't say he's lost everything, but um, yeah, I just wanted to. Uh, every I just get sick of everybody saying like he's a future contender when he's been he's young, but he's also been in the UFC for like five years or four years. We've seen a lot of him. Yeah, in this fight though, he's got decent j- jujitsu. Brandon Allen is. If, he does have good jujitsu. If Andre Muniz couldn't finish Uriah Hall with a submission, then he's probably not going to finish Brandon Allen with a submission. And Brandon Allen's probably the better striker. So, yeah, it wasn't a great matchup. Uh, I guess some people were on it. I just uh, got stuck on the other side of it. But oh well. Um, move on to one that I did get right, so I can feel a little better. Uh, Augusto, the big baby <laughs> Sakai versus Dante Almeys. This was like the worst fight in <laughs> MMA history. I feel like in heavyweight division, this was. I was so sure painful to watch. Man. I was so sure Sakai was winning this fight just because not because I have any faith in Sakai, but just because uh Dante Mays is not good either. I mean he made Sakai look amazing. I mean, talk <laughs> about ultimate fat boy division. Like uh, fucking <clears throat> Augusto Sakai could have gotten Dante Mays out of there so many times, but he could only throw enough punches to back Dante Mays up against the fence, and then he had to clinch because he was too tired, and then wait a minute, and then do it again, over and over and over again. Mays, I don't know how he's ever knocked anybody out because he throws slower punches than molasses. It, it was a <laughs> terrible fight, man. I, I hope I never have to see that something like that again. Yeah, it was a terrible fight, but it feels better when you're on the right side of it. So that's for sure. That was uh that was nice. Uh, Tatiana Suarez, the return versus Montana De La Rosa. Um, 
huge favorite here, almost too big of a favorite. Um, Montana Della Rosa is just not that impressive. She she's tough, but that's about where you draw the line. Uh, Suarez coming back from three years off probably looked like she was never going to come back. Uh, what did you think of her return? Yeah, I, I wasn't that impressed, and I got I got a little bit more into it in my call out here, but uh, yeah, let's just say not impressed by Tatiana Suarez. All right, Mike Malort versus Mike Malott versus Johan Lanis. This was um, I didn't see this fight. What happened? This was uh, apparently the Canadian MMA Showcase, and uh, if this is uh, the best that Canada has to showcase at this point in time, then I'm I'm worried for the state of MMA in Canada. Uh, Mike Malott, pretty solid fighter. Um, it looked good. I mean, he'd probably be a middling guy that kind of washes out of UFC. I don't know. Maybe he can. Maybe he'll make improvements, but. Um, it looked good, not great. Uh, Johan Lanese, he's on his way out. I, I'd expect him getting cut at some point, but uh, sooner rather than later. But um, Malik kind of had his way with them and uh, got the dub pretty easily, I think, by submission. All right, didn't see it. Uh, what was the hillbilly fight that, where the guy got the knockout with one second left? Do you know uh, what I'm talking about? You don't have to say the name. Did you see it? I don't know if I did. Um, I missed some of this card. I, know, I, missed, so. I missed a decent amount on this card as well. I was in transit. Yeah, I was at the White Sox spring training game, and then... Wait a second, you were at the White Sox spring training game during this? White Sox Saturday? Pod- uh, Saturday against the Padres? Yeah. I was there. No. Dude, <laughs> yeah, I, I was on the first base, sitting on the first base line. Really? I was in the outfield. Jeez. Small world. <laughs> <laughs> How funny is that? We were both... I think I said it in the chat that I was at the Sox game. You must not I wasn't checking the chat. I, I Yeah, that was a... Uh, yeah, Saturday. I was there. That's funny. Nice day. That's what I was telling you. I was at the spring training game. Did you, you did you stay for the whole game? I left, uh, yeah, pretty much. I left in the bottom of the nine. So. Were you there when the White Sox like completely collapsed and started playing? They looked like, <laughs> yeah, it just looked terrible. They looked like they, a junior high team. They're the most overrated team in baseball. So Every year they're going to be. Every year there's their year, and then. Well, I guess uh, people know they suck this year, but that, last year they were. Did you see that kid get hit by the home run ball? No. The guy hit the home run in like the bottom of the like eighth, the, eighth, oh, eighth the or eighth? ninth. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. super late. Doinked a kid right on the outfield. Jeez, got to be ready to catch the ball at all times. Man. I know. The mom was standing right next to him. She let it happen. But Dude, man. she didn't even go to block it? No. Oh, man. I, I was, if I had a kid, I would like to think I'd stop the ball. <laughs> oh, I would have called him off and caught that thing. But Yeah. That's my ball. But either way, uh, apparently we were in the same place. Nice day for a game. Nice to have spring training back. For uh, sure. All right, then. Let's uh, wrap up this recap uh, since we were both elsewhere. I was watching the fights on my phone. Is that on the way back? I think was it I, Trevor Peak versus Eric Gonzalez? There was a knockout. Um, I don't know. The knockout happened in like, the last second of the fight. Uh, oh, no, that's round one. Let's see. Dang, it's really raining out there. We got more Arizona rain, too. This is getting out of hand. Was it the last second of the first round? Uh, it might have been. I don't 459 know. 4.59 of the first round. Trevor Peak for Sarah Gonzalez. Okay, That's yeah, yeah. Ending. Yep, that was it then. Yeah, I didn't see it. I just didn't know if you if you saw it. I saw the highlights anyways. The guy had like a Bryce Mitchell haircut. He kind of looked like Bryce Mitchell. So. Yeah, that has got to be it. So anyhow, we can wrap that up. That's uh, probably our least descriptive review ever. So let's uh, move on to our to our um, segments here. Our Isn't the Awesome in our weekly call it. It's an odd number, right? Yep, you're up. All right. Um, isn't he awesome this week? Uh, Bare Knuckle FC, they are putting together some some cards for, for us now. Do you, I don't know if you remember when we first started this 
coming up on a few years ago, not coming up in three years ago, we laughed at Bare Knuckle FC. We said it had to be some kind of uh, illegal money laundering operation. Who's laughing now? We got Platinum Perry fighting Luke Rockhold and Chad Mendes fighting Eddie Alvarez in, what, a month? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be sick. We might be making a boys trip out to Denver for it. We might have to, to watch... I mean, does Platinum Perry knock out Luke Rockhold? Luke, I mean, he is, Rockhold's chin held up decent against um, uh, Paulo Costa not too long ago. Yeah, Rockhold looked like shit, though. Like <laughs> He was so tired. I mean, he's going to be bigger than Platinum Perry, but... Quite a bit, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a weird fight. Yeah, I... How do you I, think Luke holds up against uh, Mike Perry's trash talk? Like, he takes offense to stuff very I easily. I know, and he's not... And he just... He'll cut into, like, some deep monologue, and he's ta- he's going to be arguing against Mike Perry, so... Who's not going to make any sense, and Luke's <laughs> not going to have any clue what to do. Yeah, I'll, I, um, I'll take this angle. I think Luke Rockhold will probably just bash the UFC the whole time and just be like, at least I'm not a s- slave anymore, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they never promoted me. Yeah, no, I must live to bare knuckle, not the UFC. <laughs> Do you have... Well, we'll hear the same line that everyone says, like, Bare Knuckles actually paid me what I'm worth and blah, blah, blah. There's no way that he, they just can't be paying him that much. They must. I mean, what do they, why would they say it if it wasn't true, right? I th- be, like, maybe in the buildup, maybe in the potentially, like, if they if they sell enough pay-per-views. I don't know. The fight that really intrigues me, though, is the Mendez versus Eddie Alvarez fight. Yeah, that's a pretty sick fight. It's really good, and it's a co-main event. Yeah, damn. And wasn't there one other one on there that was decent? Uh, they just said Ben Rothwell's making his debut, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Which, I mean, even that's interesting. Ben Rothwell's slow and goofy, but, I mean, he, the guy's a decent fighter. Yeah, um, yeah. Perry Perry Rockhold main event. Perry's been had a pretty successful career boxing, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what has. happened in his MMA career. He just lost his mind, but um, we're still a Platinum Perry podcast, even though he has pushed it a few times with us. But we'll see. Maybe he'll get another a knockout win over uh, Luke Glasschin Rockhold. So, Very possible. But shout-out to Bare Knuckle FC for putting together these events that are actually getting more and more tempting to purchase. Yeah, I, I'm going to be watching for sure. Yeah, one way or another. Uh, call out. Uh, this one's painful to do, but Darren Till, uh, I'm not really calling you out. It's more like, <laughs> yeah, it's not really calling you out. It's just more like, I hate to say it, but like good riddance. We told you so. Um, what happened? What happened to Darren? Uh, he never learned to wrestle. Is that? Never learned to wrestle. And it, the well, once he got beat by Woodley, it seemed like his career was a joke to him after that. Like well, he's because he went up to 185 after that. Remember? Yeah, he went up to 185, but it just didn't seem like he took anything seriously. <clears throat> you know, he peaked. Like he never kept getting better. And uh, unfortunately, if you don't, you know, if you're not always improving in this game, you're gonna get passed by real quick, and it's gonna be unforgiving. And that's what that's what happened to him. And he just uh, his career went downhill very fast. Yeah, he not, came out with a statement. You see, like saying, like he asked for his release. He'll yeah, so sort he some things sort, out. He'll why be would back. You, why would you want to be released for that? That doesn't make any sense, does it? No, no. He's, what are you getting released from then? If you're if you're just getting released to like take care, nobody. You're not. It's not a nine to five job. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't need to take a leave of absence. Just don't take fights for a little while. Yeah, and to be clear, he for a guy who doesn't take his clear, to treats his career as a joke, he is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's got a, uh, you know, maybe he'll be a comedian. <laughs> Dude, the thing I'm thinking about, though, is like, even if he goes to Bellator, like, he gets a wallop there, too. Those guys are all wrestler grapplers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just don't think he's that. For a guy who started off so high, I mean, they fast tracked him and they gave him an easy road to um, 
to and he the was, title. And he was able to make that 170 cut, and he was just giant for that yeah, class. Yeah, he was just a size bully at that at 170. He was just bigger than everybody. That's why. I mean, and then they gave him like Cowboy in his run up, who was actually a 150 guy, <laughs> and he just steamrolled him. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, the Wonder Boy fight was impressive. Uh, I thought Wonder Boy won it. I mean, well, he just kind of played Wonder Boy's game, stayed on the outside. They just barely <laughs> threw punches at each other from the outside. It wasn't anything crazy, but it was impressive. He was able to get the win. Not many people do. Wonder Boy tore his ACL in that fight. Oh, true. I would say, I would argue his most impressive fight was his loss to Robert Whitaker, where he dropped Whitaker. He looked pretty good. It was a close fight. He lost, but it was still a close fight. And that was one of his... I don't know. Do you remember his his debut? Did he win his debut against Gaslam at 185? Neither one of them threw a single punch, or did Gaslam win that? I think he won it, uh, but maybe not. And then uh, he got Whitaker because of it. He was one fight away from another title shot. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe he just had a favorable run. To be fair, I mean, he's a very good kickboxer, but, I mean, he got knocked out by Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, I mean, not even anymore. Um, he was a very good kickboxer when he was bigger than everybody else, not when he fought people uh, the same size. I mean, he hung, he he put up a good fight against Whitaker. Uh, yeah, Whitaker was probably his toughest fight that he did the best in. Yeah, and then he loses Derek Brunson, Dreykus. Derek Brunson beat the shit out of him. Yeah, it was a split decision win versus Calvin Gaslam. But nobody th- nobody threw a single punch, so yeah, it was super ugly. They just circled each other, and let's like talk about two guys like who's headed out faster. Well, apparently Till, but Gaslam is. Uh, on the outs as well. So. Yeah, I mean, Gaslam, he's you can only be in so many wars. The guy was a bulldog. Yeah, for for Till, who's always been a boring, low-volume guy, Gaslam is just a vastly different fighter than he ever was. Yeah, I mean, what Gaslam's done, what Till was a 185-er fighting at 170, Gaslam's a 170-er fighting <laughs> at 185, so. Yeah, that that's a, that's a good point, and that's, yeah, Gaslam's body of work is, I mean, the guy was, seconds away from being the champion right yeah almost beat out of Sonya there yeah so um it pains me to do it nothing personal against Aaron Till I hope he doesn't disappear online because he is funny but um I mean he was they gave him every chance to stick around in the UFC and he just he's not cut out for it one way or another they're not gonna be able to put him on early prelims or prelims he's not gonna want to be uh uh, not even a gatekeeper, just like a, a first test for up and comers. I would, even, I mean, that's basically what Drakus Duplass is. His last fight, he was a test: is this guy for real or not? Yeah, I mean, part of his problem is he probably got a pretty, probably had a pretty big contract where it's like you can only be fighting the best and main eventing, um, and he obviously can't do that at this point. So, um, what they're not going to let him, you know, fight on like the prelims for against some bum for what he was making. So, yeah, I'd probably cut him if he does come back to the UC. They might cut him if he does well on like Cage Warriors or something. They might bring him back at a lower salary or something. Just you know, and then let him fight some bums and work his way up. Yeah, yep. It's a cautionary tale though of a guy who at one point people thought was for sure going to be a champion, and now he's struggling i mean he's not even in the ufc anymore yeah all right who do you got this week isn't he awesome the uh since we were both at the uh the baseball game there on uh saturday without knowing it but uh the pitch clock in baseball this should have been instituted so long ago dude the games are actually enjoyable to go to like <laughs> it, dude they're balls being pitched all the time we don't have batters adjusting their gloves three times before they step in the box it's like boom cat pitcher catches the ball 15 seconds, no one's on base, step on the mound, pitch the ball. 
do it all over again. 20 seconds if someone's on base. The games go by incredibly quick. It's like two, two and a half hours. Uh, no more of this four or five hour spring training game. That doesn't matter because, you know, the pitcher has to step up the mound five times and the batter has to adjust his glove, batting gloves a hundred times. And dude, this is the best thing to happen to baseball since, uh, um, who knows, since steroids. So <laughs> did you notice the big bases? I didn't really notice the big bases. I was kind of out in the outfield, so I wasn't super close to them. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know how. I don't know if I'll include the big bases in this, but the pitch clock is on point. Question about the pitch clock. Do you think they need to get rid of it during the playoffs, though? I think they should get rid of it in the ninth inning for sure. Eighth, maybe, maybe after the seventh inning stretch, or maybe either seventh, eighth, or ninth. And you, you get rid of it somewhere in there. When the game starts to matter, they should get rid of it a little bit. It is pretty quick, or at least extend it, because it it's pretty quick. I mean, once the pitcher catches the ball, he does not have much time before he has to get on the mound and, and pitch the ball. Yeah, and you think about a free throw. You think about 10 seconds to get over, like, half court. Like, that. that's not that much time. Yeah, yeah, I do think that, yeah, maybe, like, playoffs, or, or I think probably the best would be seventh in the playoffs, seventh inning and later, you get rid of it or something like that. You know, when it matters, give them a little bit more time to think. Yeah, I mean, I'd be at least in the World Series, I'd be all for t- get rid of it, getting rid of it altogether. But I, I couldn't agree more. There's first of all, baseball's biggest problem is that there's just too many regular season games. That's their biggest problem. Yeah, and they take forever, dude. Yeah, I mean, when you're at a game and you look up and you feel like it should be the seventh inning and it's like the fucking top of the third, it's <laughs> so brutal, dude. And now I thought it was the first inning and it was like the bottom of the third. So yeah, and I mean, we're not like casual baseball fans we've been watching it our whole lives so yeah i mean i want to go to a game sit there enjoy it you know have, have, you have know, it eventually end beauty about baseball is like it's kind of slow paced just fun to go to a game and chill and relax but i don't need to chill and relax for four or five hours two and a half hours perfect all right yeah i'm with you there i like the i like the pitch clock all right we could call out you hinted at it earlier tatiana suarez after a performance on saturday night don't know she won but I can confidently put her near the top of my uh, JLT most overrated fighter list. She was fighting Montana De La Rosa. I mean, I get it. She norm- uh, Tatiana Suarez normally fights at 115. She moved up to 125, but Montana De La Rosa is nowhere near the strongest 125 fighter. She's probably more towards the bottom side, and she had trouble getting her down and keeping her down. And, I mean, for supposed this supposed female Khabib or whatever, like, I was just very, very unimpressed with her performance. Even though she did win, it was somewhat dominant. It was, no like, against Montana De La Rosa, she should have been 100 times more dominant than she was. Um, I think, you know, she better get down to 125 or 115 and be a weight bully because she's not going to cut it at 125 against some of these stronger girls if she had that much trouble against Montana De La Rosa. So Tatiana Suarez, overrated. Yeah, and I think you should put out the disclaimer that you were pretty high on her back before her neck injury. Yeah, I mean, I was. She, I mean, she was dominating at one fifteen, but you know, this move to one twenty five is not the right move. If she can't make, if she can't make one fifty one fifteen anymore, I think she's in trouble. Um, you know, Aaron Blandfield or something. I think she has trouble with some of these stronger Jessica Andrade. She might have trouble with some of these stronger girls. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think she's sure. Striking's not that great. I mean, she wasn't getting off much ground and pound or anything when she when she was on the ground. She wasn't able to keep control for the most part. Um, until Montana De La Rosa kind of fell into that submission. She was not looking like she was going to finish the fight. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, maybe give her one more fight. Maybe it was ring rust. Three years is a long time off, but it's not. I'm sure she was doing like full contact sparring. I'm sure she was. Yeah, she just. And they, let's be honest, they gave her a layup in her first fight back. Yeah, and it wasn't as big of a layup. It didn't look, you know, the fight didn't play out as easy as it should have for for what she was before that injury. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that's reasonable. Definitely. So she's not going to lose all her hype because people are going to see W next to her name. So probably on the p- potential fade list next time around, if she yeah, get, if they give her a, if they give her a strong one twenty five er that can grapple some. I, I I would love to see a big line on her opponent because uh, you know big plus money because uh, I think I'd be going against her. All right, note to self: we'll keep an eye out for that. I'll be sure not to try to jinx her. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, all right, anything else? Ah, uh, that's it for me. All right, well, this is uh, what we've all been waiting for then, our two, UFC 285 preview. Um, Let's go. Our very close personal friend, John Jones, on the friend card. The program. On the, on the card fighting for a heavyweight belt against Cyril Gan. Um, John Jones minus 155, Cyril Gan plus 135. This was at one time John Jones was the underdog. Yeah, I think I saw he opened at plus 120 or something on DraftKings, so um he's been quite a swing and i i agree with the swing i mean i think i think it's all john jones in this fight i mean if if we saw this fight if let's see if gone had never fought um francis francis and got out wrestled by a guy with the torn acl um i i might be looking differently at this fight but um john jones so here's some things john jones people say you know historically a lot of guys don't have much luck moving up Nobody's taken three years to put on the weight and the strength and be able to get the cardio going to carry that weight uh, like John Jones has, right? Um, you know, when Max Holloway moved up, he moved up in six months. Most guys, six months to a year, you can put on the muscle. If you if you wait a year, you can put on the muscle, but you don't necessarily get the cardio to go with it. Um, anything less than that, you don't even get enough muscle. You're not strong enough to go up even. Um, but John Jones has done it the right way. He's taken a long time. Um, I mean, ring, ring rust, we haven't really seen a big thing with John Jones. I guess when he came back versus uh, OSP, he seemed yeah, a little bit rusty, rusty. But it was a fight where, you know, we've seen where he doesn't really get up for these kind of opponents like OSP. I think this is a challenge for him. I think he's going to get up for it. He is ages could play a factor, but I don't know. Um, we'll see about that. I just think he's done it the right way in moving up, taking the time. I think that's going to be a huge benefit for him uh, in this, uh, you know, running heavyweight. Um, I think that, you know, striking, they're somewhat similar, but let's say Cyril Gaon, he, he looks amazing against mostly he's only fought the fat boy division and, you know, he can look real light on his feet and like a Chris striker against Ty Tuivasa and whoever else he's, you know, whatever other bums he's fought. But, against a guy who's actually quick and actually has a lead striking like John Jones, I, I'd be I'm interested to see if his striking looks as great as it did against some of these other guys against a guy like John Jones. Not to mention he's got to worry about the threat of wrestling. He's gonna be that's gonna be in the back of his head this entire fight. You know, he's not gonna be able to stand up and just pop that crisp jab that he does um, against guys where he has no threat of a takedown against John Jones. If he's doing standing up straight up like that, popping that jab, John Jones is going to take him down. So uh, I think that's going to throw some wrinkles in the game. I like John Jones in this fight. Yeah, and I think I think that um, some of the criticism of John Jones, I think if you follow the follow the pattern of his career, like he he maybe did get bored at one time. 
or at several times. Like if you look at um, fight with OSP, didn't that was a, not a great performance. <clears throat> then he comes back and knocks DC out with a head kick. Then he has a couple lackluster fights. I don't even remember. He had another suspension. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. He comes back and uh, has a rematch against Gustafson, who ha- people uh, you know arguably say Gustafson beat him again. Gustafson, where he was at in his career, is a whole different story. But wins by KO, just mauls Gustafson. Um, then he has some lackluster performances. I mean, dominates Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith could have got a DQ win if he wanted to. Um, probably would have been a smart move. And then he has those lackluster fights against uh, Tiago Santos and Dominic Reyes, where you could make the argument that he thought he was winning the whole fight and just didn't take any chances. And, I mean, if that was his strategy, then that's what worked for him. But you, you can definitely see when he turns it on and, and, and doesn't, like especially his second fight against DC. Like that was, That's probably his career biggest rivalry. And he knocked him out in the second one. Yeah, looked great too, and then finished it with some vicious ground and pound. Yeah. Um, so yeah, John Jones podcast. So <laughs> yeah, he's a he is a uh, a friend of the program. So um, not to rub that in, but anyways, uh, yeah, I'm I'm rolling with John Jones here as well. I I am nervous. I don't know if I'm nervous just because he's my dear friend or because I think that three years off, there's some uncertainties. We've never seen him uh, get tagged really before, or at least not in a long time. I mean, Dom Reyes hit him with a couple things. Probably the most we've seen him get hit was Dom Reyes. Um, yeah, pr- and pri- I'd be prior to that, it was Gustafson. He was like 26 years old or something when they fought that fight. I would be even more confident, John Jones, if it wasn't for the Tai Tuivas fight where we saw Sirogan actually has power. Yeah, and, um, some, and some killer instinct. Before that, he just looked like a pillow handed guy who never took any risks. Yeah, you hated and, him. Um, yeah. And with the tie to Ivasa fight, he threw down, man. So um, that that makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, but I think John Jones is going to be a lot harder to hit than uh, tie to Ivasa. So I hope so. If he's not harder to hit than tie to Ivasa, then yeah. erase everything and switch it to Cyril Gan. All right, then we'll move on to Alexa uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. We are looking at what are we looking at here? Okay, we're looking at Valentina Shevchenko minus six hundred, Alexa Grasso plus four fifty. Um, I'm not really aware of what Alexa Grasso's ground game is like. We've seen Valentina Shevchenko definitely shift her game to be more of ground game oriented, um, at least if she thinks she has an advantage. So, uh, um, I mean, Alexa Grasso has great stand-up. She's a great, one of the better female boxers. Probably not her time to beat Valentina Shevchenko, but um, I could see this being a more competitive fight than a plus 450 on the feet, but probably... Valentina will probably look to clinch her and smash her and slam her and smash her, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'll say this is like an extra little take of the week here. Valentina Shevchenko's run at champ is it, it it's on its last legs, I think. Her times her times on a, a ticking clock and it's getting towards the end. I think I, I don't know I don't necessarily think Alexa Grass is gonna be the one to finish her, but um I, I feel like she was so dominant for so long and her last few performances we've started to not see that same type of killer instinct and dominance that we did in the past especially in our last fight versus Talia Santos but even she arguably lost that yeah fight. even in a few fights before that um she had dominant wins but it wasn't the same as her as her earlier wins. so I think I think her time's coming to an end here as the uh the flyweight champ so but um I don't know this fight to answer your question about Alexa Grasso's grappling um not that great um i mean she's only won seven percent of her fights by submission 
um, or grappling stats or takedown averages 0.44 takedowns per 15 minutes takedown accuracy is 57 percent takedown defense 64 percent submission average 0.55 per 15 minutes so um, not great grappling so um, on the feet if you want to get into the striking a little bit uh, Shevchenko lands 3.19 strikes per minute compared to Grasso landing 5.14 strikes per minute here's the uh the key here though absorb per minute so strikes absorbed per minute valentina shevchenko only absorbs 1.9 strikes per minute which is very low for on app for overall for the you know over across the ufc what other fighters absorb per minute uh, alexa grasso absorbs 4.02 punches per minute so uh she gives a lot but <clears throat> but she takes a lot so <clears throat> excuse me um so that could come uh come into play here um grass is going to get hit quite a bit more i feel like than than shevchenko she's plays it relatively safe um i think shevchenko wins this fight like you said um I, I'm, I'm staying away from it for the most part i don't really see um a ton of value any in anything uh going with shevchenko because i think her time is running short but um i just don't think grass is going to be the one to do it so yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say. I think we definitely saw a different side of Shevchenko when she fought Talia Santos, and arguably, I mean, that was a very close fight. I thought, you know, maybe we'd get that rematch, but uh, maybe she didn't want it. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's kind of weird, right? It's good to see. I think it's cool that Grasso gets the title shot, though, just because she's a different type of fighter. She's You don't see many girls that have, like, the really good, really crisp stand-up boxing, so... Um, I think it could be interesting if they do stand and trade, but I, I don't see that happening. I think if anybody makes this fight boring, it'll be Shevchenko. Yeah, and I, I think I like this bet if you're going to bet it. Shevchenko wins by decision plus 200. So. Yeah. Yeah, I get something for it. Yeah, plus 200. That seems like pretty good odds. Shevchenko to buy win by knockouts plus 175. Shevchenko to win by submission plus 225. Um, I mean, I don't know. Shevchenko, I haven't seen that killer instinct from her like lately yeah. that she's had in the past. So I think why to um, win by knockout? Why yeah. to why to win by knockout plus one seventy five? Doesn't that seem kind of like that yeah, seems like, high, doesn't she it? She doesn't have like devastating ground and pound at least lately. Like I mean, I think how she wins this fight is probably she takes her down some and kind of holds it there, but I don't think she's going to finish it there. So I think the plus two hundred on decision for Shevchenko is a pretty solid bet. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I think that's probably the most likely outcome. So, um, but anyways, uh, next up we got Jeff Neal, Shavkat Rachmanov. Um, Jeff Neal plus four hundred, Shavkat plus minus five hundred. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's not much here to say. Obviously, Shavkat is kind of like, I would say, put him on the uh, prospect list next to like a Cam's app, just less outspoken. Um, definitely a guy that people think is going to be at the top of the division for a long time. I do think Jeff Neal is a unique test. The problem with Jeff Neal is sometimes there's two versions of him, and we don't actually ever know which one's going to show up. Um, at one time or another, I think Jeff Neal could beat anybody, and then at other times, Jeff Neal looks flat and slow. Uh, an example of that would be Jeff Neal had nothing for Wonderboy. Uh, Wonderboy absolutely put on a masterclass against him for five whole rounds. Um, Wonder Boy's a little older um, towards the end of his career, and Jeff Neal couldn't. I mean, Jeff Neal was three steps behind him. Uh, other times we've seen Jeff Neal look really good. Uh, Shavkat's pretty well rounded. I just don't know. Minus 500, this is a hard one to get behind any type of like value here. Yeah, I'm going Shavkat Rikmanov in this one, but like you said, it's like a parlay piece. It's not really a straight up betting type piece. I mean, Jeff Neal, 
he's looked decent at times, not great at times. Shavkat seems to be on the way up. It seems like I heard Jeff Neal's the one who asked for this fight, though. So maybe he sees something that nobody else does. But uh, I think it's going to be a tough night for him. Sees holes in his game. Famous last words. <laughs> right. All right, Matus Gamrat versus Jalen Turner. Uh, let me find this one. We got Jalen Turner plus 145, Matus Gamrat minus 170. I think we're just starting to see uh, Jalen Turner, what he's capable of. Um, I think maybe he he picked up some hype in his last fight. He dominated Brad Riddell, but he's been winning his fights so fast that I don't know if people realize how, how impressive what he's been doing actually is. Um, Matus Gamrat, we've seen him uh, towards the top of his game. He got... Uh, gifted a decision against Armin Sarukian. So maybe maybe Matus Gamrat might be slightly inflated, and I think Jalen Turner might be slightly um, undervalued here. So I would say this fight's probably closer to 50-50. And um, if, you're, you know, if you want to take a shot on a guy that seems to be finding his stride here, Jalen Turner's definitely got all the tools. He's, I think, the tallest guy in the division and uh, definitely has looked really good in his last fights. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I'm going Jalen Turner, taking an underdog here. Um yeah, I could see Matus Gamrat winning. I think it might be a split decision type fight. Um, basically, how I see this playing out is Matus Gamrat, right? He kind of plays it safe. I, I, he doesn't really have a ton of volume and whatnot. He's just not, uh, he's kind of a boring fighter, in my opinion, where Jalen Turner, he, he puts it on him, right? So I think it's going to be one of those fights where Jalen Turner will probably land some good shots, but then Matus Gamrat might have some control, but without much. You know, without much damage being done and it's one of those ones where are the judges gonna value the the shot the bigger shots by turner or just kind of the control by gamron and uh i don't know i'm gonna take the uh the underdog and hope hope they uh turner lands some big shots and gets the win here yeah and just something to watch out for like turner has been starting his fights like red hot he's been- yeah he's i've been super impressed with him he's looked unbelievable I, and i just might be partly me wanting to see him win another one and keep this uh, hype train going. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if there's ever like a prop for, yeah, I don't, I don't know how easy Matus Gamrat is to. Did Matus Gamrat? He lost Benil Darius, right? Is that right? Yep. Okay. And Benil Darius rocked him and dropped him. Like I could see, like Darius is a very patient fighter. Where Jalen Turner's just been starting like lightning out the gates. So I don't know what like first any first round finish props are. Um, I'm not going to say do do that or don't, but I, Jalen Turner has had a habit of just like starting his fights like just on a terror. So um, be curious to see, I guess, if he keeps that strategy going. Um, but either way, this is, again, a good a good, good chance to take an underdog shot. I do think that this fight's definitely closer to 50-50. So. For sure. So with that said, we'll move on to uh, Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett, the exact opposite of a 50-50 fight. We got Bo Nickel at minus 1,400, Jamie Pickett plus 850. I mean, I don't know if there's any point in putting like a Hail Mary on Jamie Pickett. I think they picked the exact guy for Bo Nickel to beat up. Is this Bo Nickel's debut, or did he did he have his debut already? No, this is his debut. He had two Contender Series fights. Okay, that's what it was. They made him stay on the Contender Series for an extra one. That was basically his debut, so... Um, Jamie Pickett is a guy that they usually pick for uh, a guy like this to um, make his debut and make it fantastic and make it exciting. Just there's nothing you can get out of a minus fourteen hundred. Like that's not even and a guy making his debut nonetheless. Like I don't know. There's there's things that could happen. I know he's one of the most hyped prospects out there, but minus fourteen hundred. Like 
I, I, yeah, Bo Nickel, I think, wins this fight. Yeah, I'm going with Bo Nickel as well. That being said, I'll go with a little different spin. It's obvious. We don't really have to break down. Jamie Pickett's probably going to get mauled by Bo Nickel, but you never know. And crazier things have happened. But uh, I think uh, Bo Nickel could possibly be on the overhyped list. We'll see how he does once he faces some tougher competition. But listen to him on the MMA Hour, and he's like just all he talked basically like you know his only strategy going into fights is wrestling like he doesn't seem like he wants to fight actually he just wants to wrestle it should be in wrestling if he wants to wrestle you know he basically said like you know i'm just gonna try and get my hands on everybody and take them down and nobody can stop me and it's like that's a bad mindset for mma uh if that's your mindset going in uh to an mma fight you might have a bad time eventually so (laughs) Um, I'd be a little bit worried about him when he comes up against a, uh, a struggle. Like, good luck taking prayer down before he fucking lands something insane on you or, or he's ready for that shot and he hits you with the knee or, yeah. you know, he's going to out of sign is a great example of a guy who's not a wrestler, but everyone has a hard time. Derek Brunson couldn't take him down. Like everyone has a hard time taking, uh, out of sign down. Everybody thinks that they're going to get him down and maul him, but he's, I mean, he's a guy, you don't have to be a good wrestler. You just have to have good takedown defense. So, yeah, it could be a rude awakening for Bo Nickel if he runs into somebody who, you know, has a solid takedown defense. Yeah, if your mindset's going to be, I'm just going to be able to out-wrestle everybody and I don't need to have the best striking because I'm just going to be able to out-wrestle everyone, that's the wrong mi- ma- mindset, to, m- mindset to have. Like, he needs to have the mindset, like, I need to be able to strike with these guys if he wants to be a champ because there's going to come a time where he's going to need to strike at least for some amount of time. And if he's not confident in doing it and he just has a panic shoot he's gonna get caught so yeah and we've seen too where wrestlers so it's, there's the two the two opposites when wrestlers get caught in striking fights they gas super quick and when strikers get caught in wrestling matches they gas super quick so you got to be ready for both yep yeah once you get a broken nose it's not as easy to <laughs> wrestle for five rounds yeah that's a very good point so um <clears throat> we'll move on though to uh cody garbrandt versus trevin jones didn't think we'd ever be here with Cody Garbrandt. My, he's minus one sixty-five. Trevin Jones plus one forty. Um, prelims, prelims. Cody uh, last fight for Garbrandt was Kaikara France. I think a lot of people saw what they thought they would saw what we expected. But I'll go back one fight. Um, and again, this is at one twenty-five, right? Or is this at one thirty-five? Because Trevin Jones is a late replacement for somebody, so maybe he moved up. Uh, this fight is at. Because J- Trevin Jones is a 125er, I believe. It is a bantamweight. It's a 135. Okay, fight. that's good news. We saw Cody Garbrandt get absolutely pieced up by Rob Font, but his chin held up the whole fight. Um, then he went down to 125, and we saw him get his clock cleaned by Kai Car France. Kai Car France can do that to anybody, so um, won't really hold that against him. Uh, Trevin Jones does not throw any volume whatsoever. That's probably his biggest, the biggest knock on him. So. Uh, you know, Garbrandt on the prelims is interesting, um, but he needs a win badly. And I think they gave him, for once, a fairly favorable matchup where I, I'm i afraid I'm going to jinx him if I say this. As long as he does, moves his head a little bit, he'll be okay. Yeah, I think this is Cody Gar- Garbrandt's fight to lose. I'm picking Cody Garbrandt in this one. They matched him up with, you know, Cody Garbrandt, if he fights a guy who doesn't have knockout power, he does fairly well i mean he's a great fighter minus his chin i mean he's yeah. uh, one of the slickest strikers there is it's just a shame that his chin is so bad but trevin jones like you said he does not throw a lot of volume he does not win by knockout 
Um, and uh, I think that's a good matchup there for uh, for Cody Garbrandt. So if he can get his hands going and, uh, you know, avoid getting knocked out by Trevin Jones, if he gets knocked out by Trevin Jones, it should be he should leave his gloves in the octagon, <laughs> to be honest with you. But um, we're going with Cody Garbrandt. Um, never forget that fight against Cruz when he looked like, uh, yeah. you know, put on one of the all-time performances uh, in the octagon. It was insane. So if you've never seen it, go back and watch that fight. It was absolutely amazing. But, uh, yeah, we're going Cody Garbrandt here. Hard to believe it's all been downhill since then. Right. After that, I was like, holy shit, this guy's never going to lose. Like, yeah, he was 12-0 and 0 at the time. He was 6-0 in the UFC. Now he's... He was, everybody was saying he was rushed to the to the fight. Like, Cruz was going to piece him up, and he just absolutely styled on Cruz. It was insane. He was avenging his best friend, TJ Dillashaw's loss to Cruz. Yeah. Then the rivalry started, and then TJ, with EPO, took, took uh, Cody's chin. Yeah, what a time. And the rest is history, so... Yeah, be great for him to get a win, but we'll see where we'll see where it goes. You just can't. You got to hold your breath every Garbrandt fight, and uh, you never know. So uh, next up, we got Derek Brunson versus Strikers Two Pluses. Um, Derek Brunson plus two hundred, Strikers Two Pluses minus two forty. We got two situations here. Is it Blonde Brunson number one and Underdog Brunson number two? Those are two things that generally f- favor Derek Brunson. Uh, he likes being an underdog, and he Blonde Brunson. I think he's only lost once. So, Dragus Two Pluses has looked really good. I don't. I think he's undefeated. Uh, yeah, last, in the UFC. Last fight beat Darren Till. Uh, he's just a monster. He just has a ton of power. Gigantic, weird shaped upper body. Uh, gases out, but somehow still has like drunken fighting power. I don't know how to explain it. It's crazy. He looked completely gassed, but still. He's one of those guys that when most people gas, they their punches go from 100% power to, you know, 50 to 25% power. He somehow maintains 100% power when he can barely stand. So He may even get stronger. We don't know. Yeah. Um, two ways this fight can go, I guess I would say, is either Brunson is able to administer his wrestling-heavy game plan and ground and pound and um, get, the, get it where he wants to go, put some damage on Drakus, or... Brunson runs in with his head up and his arms down, and he gets uh, decapitated. Yep, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at here. Um, the minus 240 line on Dreykus kind of scares me, but I am picking Dreykus to plus this year. Um, I would like to see him more like minus 170 in this fight than minus 240, but it is what it is. Um, I just think Dreykus, the, the thing that scares me, if Dreykus, he needs to win by first-round knockout, right? So um, the longer this fight goes, the you know, Dreykus, although he maintains power, he'll be Derek Brunson. If if Dreykus starts to gas and Brunson just starts to get those takedowns, he Dreykus could be on his back for rounds two and three, and, and Brunson could win a decision here. But, I mean, we've seen Brunson has no chin. Dreykus has all the power, and I'm thinking he stops him in the first round. All right, I'm not sure what the prop numbers are on that, but that would be an interesting one. Um, here, one second, I'll look it up. Um, Dreykus. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And I mean, historically, we have seen Dreykus start fast and hard, and we've seen him fade, and we've seen Brunson as a guy that gets stronger in fights. He pretty much always relies on his wrestling, and even though he's not necessarily a, doesn't have like the exact wrestling pedigree of like a Bo Nickel, he was a division. Brunson was a division two wrestler. He's been one of the best wrestlers in. Uh, the 185 division, I think maybe one of the best ever, wouldn't you say? Or do you think so? Brunson's a guy that only only guys who fight for the title beat Brunson. Yeah. I mean, do we think Dreykus 
fights for a title. That's the question then, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, Brunson is the ultimate gatekeeper, second only to Damian Maya. Where Damian Maya, only one guy who beat him didn't fight for a title. Where Brunson, I think he may have lost to a few people that didn't fight for titles. But for the most part, everybody that beats Brunson, only the elite have beat Brunson. Dragus wins in round one, plus 220. Um, Brunson wins by decision, plus 400. Hmm. That's interesting. What about uh, Brunson by KO? Like on a ground and pound situation. Uh, Brunson by knockout. Plus 650. Wow. <clears throat> I mean, I could hypothetically see uh, Dragus get tired and Brunson have a pound him out situation. Yeah, definitely. Dragus wins by knockout plus 125. I would say that's where you start getting into, like, the realistic, most realistic situations. Plus 125 for a knockout's obviously not great. That's probably what they expect to happen if that's the case. So, um, anyhow, uh, fight could go a bunch of different ways, and... Um, I guess I'll, I don't know who I'd pick yet, but um, your official pick is Dragus. So we'll move on to Amanda Rebas versus Viviana Rujo. Rebas minus 130, Arujo plus 110. Man, this is a tough one. To, if this was Amanda Rebas in her first like three or four UFC fights, I would say she should be like a minus 300. Um, I think Arujo does have a lot of tools, and she is good, but she she's probably the worst gasser of her entire division. Her gas tank is terrible, but Rebus has like fallen off a cliff with, she hasn't gotten better. She's actually gotten worse. Um, her game plan is kind of like th- throw these sloppy loopy punches and not really much else. She has, she's gotten away from her, her grappling. She's gotten away from a lot of, a lot of the stuff that got her to where she was before. I wonder if some of that, her being a favorite is just still holding on to um, how good she looked in her first few fights. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think this is a pretty even, even matchup here. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going Viviana Rujo on this one just because I think Amanda Hebas, I think, I don't know. She's She from, also is very chinny. Yeah, she's chinny. From what I've seen of her lately, like I, there's something mental going on with her or something. Like she, I don't know if she's not training as hard as she was before or or something. I just don't think she's looked that great. Um, and part of it could be, let's see. So flyweight, that's 125, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, she lost a split decision to Caitlin Chikagan, uh when she moved up to flyweight. I think she was doing better kind of at, at strawweight, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's This is going to be a, I believe, a strawweight fly, fight. Let me double check here. Uh, no, no, it's a flyweight. So, um, yeah, flyweight fight here. Uh, Vivian Arujo, I think... Amanda Hebas is going to struggle up, up the division, right? And uh, Arujo may be able to get the takedowns more easily. Um, Hebas, I, I think if she doesn't start off hot, she kind of wilts. And uh, I'll just take the dog money on Arujo here and uh, hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, I think Arujo will be the stronger fighter in the first round and a half. And then she always just fades. I mean, she put like a life-changing beating on Roxanne Matafari, but Roxanne was coming back in the third round because Arujo gas is that bad. Yeah. She's just got to win the first round and a half and you yeah. know, win the first two and then survive. So, yeah. And I think he has shown that she gasses a little too. So, uh, yeah, this is like a 50, 50 fight in my mind. Um, again, there's just so much unknown and so much, uh, outside of their skill sets that, uh, has an effect here. So, um, 
not sure how this one will play out either. Interesting card, though. Uh, I think that's our last fight to, to cover. Uh, yeah. We do want to mention we got some fighters on the card, or at least one. You got Ian Gary on the card coming back, um, minus 750. Obviously, they're throwing him softballs or layups. Um, God, he's going to get on the microphone and say how he's next Conor McGregor or whatever. Um, you know he'll say <laughs> something like that. Um, otherwise... Super stacked card. We've been waiting a while for a super stacked card. Although I am feel like I feel like every time I say that I have like a flashback that there was a good card not that long ago. But all of March is super stacked cards. So today is March first. All of March is stacked. So no more complaining about cards. We have to uh, take what they give us. And if our if we don't if we can't make good picks and the cards they got coming up, then maybe we are just uh, maybe I am just cursed. That could be it. It's definitely we'll not see. my fault. I, I like the picks on this one. I think, uh, yeah, I feel I think good we could have, uh, have a good week. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. So anything else before we before we wrap things up? Let's go, John Jones. Yep, I think that's uh, that's the closing statement there. So, uh, But either way, we'll be back next week to recap. Um, good luck on your picks. Enjoy the fights, and we'll see you all next week. Peace.